We'll turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. And like I told you, we're going to do a kind of a study on the armor of God that is laid out for us in chapter 6 of Ephesians. And Last week we, we started with um, verse 10 and, and went to about... Um, I guess we got into 14 just a little bit. So we made a pretty big, good bit of progress, but tonight I think we're, we're going to focus more in 15, 14 and 15. So we're not going to go quite as far tonight, but we got quite a bit to talk, to talk about still. If you look in uh, verse, let's just start in verse 14, and before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you tonight, Lord, and I just ask right now, Lord, that you send your holy anointing upon me, that, that Lord, I would say the very things that you want me to say. Father, I don't consider myself to have any kind of great knowledge, but Father, I know that when I make myself available for you, that Lord, it doesn't matter what I know, what it matters is, is what you have to say, Lord. And I ask that you to speak through me tonight, Lord, that the, the Holy Spirit that would be here, Lord, that he, you would prepare these people to receive of your word. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So starting in verse 14, it says, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And last week we talked a little bit about that girdle of truth and that breastplate of righteousness, but let's focus for a minute on those first couple words that say, Stand therefore. You know, that that's a pretty simple phrase. You wouldn't think there'd be a whole lot you could get out of that. But what I want you all to see from that tonight is that He's telling you to stand firm. Stand guard. Be on the lookout. Don't just be wandering off doing whatever it is you think you need to take care of in your personal life, but stand firm because, like I told you last week, we're in war. You know, when... When I was in the army and we went on a training exercise, there would always be somebody that had to be on guard duty. And what are you guarding against? We're, we're here in America, you know. But it was a training. It, it, it taught you that there was going to come a time if you did go to war that you were going to have to stand guard. What did that mean? Did it mean you were sitting on the ground over there reading a book? No. If they caught you reading a book, you would have probably been court-martialed or something like that. They would have not liked that very much. But you had to be on lookout for who was coming. Make sure there wasn't somebody trying to sneak up on you. You know, sometimes they would do that. Even though it was training, somebody would try to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you had to question people when they come up to make sure they had the proper authority to be where you were. So you see, you had to be actively watching and looking. And that's what we need to be doing today. We need to be on our guard. We, our guards need to be raised. And we need to be looking around at what's going on around us. Because like I said, the, the Word tells us that it's not flesh and blood that we're in battle against, but it's spiritual things. We need to be watching spiritually. We need to be walking in the Spirit, looking for that enemy that's coming around, looking to devour us. <clears throat> at the same time, 
When you're standing guard, you're not just guarding yourself. There's always somebody or something that you're standing on guard for. Now let's think about that for a minute, y'all. I told y'all these two little words mean a whole lot. We think of our spiritual warfare all the time, I do anyway, in terms of myself. But we need to think about that spiritual warfare in terms of others. I mean, in terms of those that may not yet be aware that the enemy is out to get them. Those that are in a weakened state. Those that, that aren't able to put up a fight. We need to be standing guard on them. Watching out for them. Praying for them. See, stand therefore indicates action. It indicates being aware, being of a present state of mind where we understand that there is something going on and we're actively involved in trying to remedy that situation. It doesn't mean resting on our laurels. It doesn't mean uh, waiting around for God to do something. All right, let's go to verse 15. <clears throat> and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What do y'all think it means to have your feet shod? Anybody have any input on that? What do you think they're referring to here? This whole thing, you know, Paul was Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He had Roman guards around him, and what were those guards wearing? They were wearing armor, right? These are soldiers. So what do you think he was talking about when he said, Have your feet shod? Except they didn't really have boots. But you're on the right track. See, they had leather sandals. And several places I've read, they even said that the, the Romans would put these little pieces of metal, little knobby pieces of metal on the bottom of their sandals so that they'd be able to grip the ground and protect their feet. But it's not even just the sandals. Like Brother Jerry's talking about boots. They had these things called greaves that would cover from their ankle to their knee. Cover their whole shin. These brass pieces of metal that they would put on. So it offered protection. <clears throat> so having your feet shod or covered, prepared, Ready for battle. Ready for something. Ready to go somewhere. Ready to do whatever it is you got to do. Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So what happens if your feet or legs are injured? You're done. Not only can you not stand and fight... You're going to have a hard time running away even. 
You're a sitting duck. Somebody's going to have to drag you. So having your feet protected was very important. I, we'll get to it in a minute. Y'all want to lay all this background. I want you to get a good understanding of what he's talking about here. <clears throat> Do y'all realize that in this time period, even in, in re- more recent times in Vietnam, the enemy would lay traps for soldiers. They would dig holes in the ground and put spikes in these holes. So that as somebody's walking across and they step in one of these holes, those spikes would go into their feet. So there was a reason to have this protection on your feet. And not only that, but as you're in battle, it gives you a better footing. You can dig into the ground as you fight, you know, because sometimes when you're fighting, you have to kind of push with your feet and your legs. But not only that, you know, most of us don't walk around outside barefooted very often. Why is that? Because it hurts your feet, don't it? I know a few people. Sister Kay, I was going to pick on her tonight, and she was here. She'd rather not wear shoes. In fact, she mainly wears shoes so other people won't ask, why ain't you wearing shoes? She can walk around outside and it don't bother her one bit. I can't hardly walk on concrete and it not my feet are sensitive and tender. But the point is, if you didn't have shoes, something to protect your feet, and you're walking around outside and you see a path that's rocky, you're going to say, I ain't going that way. I'm going to walk around it. No, I don't want to go over there and fight. I'm going the other way because my feet ain't going to deal with them rocks very well. So you see, having your feet protected not only gives you sure footing and protection from traps and things like that, but it also provides a means with which you can go anywhere and fight, and not worry about what the terrain is like, not worry about what's beneath your feet, because, let's face it, when you're in battle, the less things you have to worry about, the better. The less that you have to concern yourself with, the better. Because you need to be focused on the battle and the enemy. So they made these shoes, these, these sandals, these leather shoes, and they would... They even had, have you seen pictures where they had the straps that wrapped around their ankles? That was for support. How many of y'all have ever been walking on kind of rough terrain, maybe at a construction site or something, and and you didn't have boots on? You just had some old tennis shoes, and, and man, you're twisting your ankles everywhere you turn. Or maybe playing basketball, and all you had was regular running shoes on, not high tops. You need support for your ankles when you're doing those kind of things. And, you know, they need a support when they're in battle. So what did that Scripture say? Let's read it again. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
The Scripture also tells us that we should have a foundation on the gospel of peace. Let's face it, that's what your feet are. They're a foundation. That's what you stand on. They carry you everywhere. If you ain't got feet, you ain't going anywhere. If you can't walk, you ain't going anywhere. I realize today we got wheelchairs and all that kind of stuff, but you don't see too many people in wheelchairs on the battlefield, do you? Mm-mm. You got to have feet. You got to have a solid foundation. When we take a stand in battle, it should be our stand should should be based on the gospel of peace. And let's talk about that for a minute. I want, I want you to understand why it says gospel of peace. We all know what the gospel is. We all know what that is. But why does it say gospel of peace? Doesn't that seem kind of odd to be bringing up peace when we're talking about warfare? It does. It seems kind of out of place. Well, there's a reason why it's there, as I'm sure you know. None of this stuff is in here for no reason. The gospel of peace... See, we need to be of the kind of mindset when we're not only going into battle. But listen, our actions, everything we need to be about should be about peace. Um, in one of the Beatitudes that we've talked about in Sunday school, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers. See, we're supposed to be peacemakers. We, in fact, the Word tells us in another place, I don't remember where right now, but it says that if, if there's any way that you can, be at peace with your brothers. Don't have just strife going on all the time. If it's, if it's at all possible, be at peace. So you see, He's not talking about being at peace with our enemy. He's talking about bringing peace. Our, our, our fight should be about peace. You see, our peace is, is based on the gospel. The gospel comes from the Lord. It's, it's the Word of God. It's, it's about what Jesus came and did. And that peace is brought to us through what He did. You see, when we receive uh, forgiveness for our sins... When we receive salvation, we're brought into a new family, a new kingdom. And that kingdom's all based on peace. Wherever we go, we should be prepared with peace. I want you all to understand something too. This, this preparedness... Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Notice it says preparation. You see, preparation indicates to me... My mic keeps cutting out, doesn't it? Preparation indicates to me that, that you have to have done something. You had to spend some time preparing, getting ready. So that means that, once again, there's action. It doesn't mean sitting around, waiting. There's action involved. Preparing. But you, I want you to understand that what he's talking about when he says preparation of the gospel of peace, 
could also mean knowledge. By having that knowledge of what the gospel says, what the word says, you are preparing yourself with the gospel of peace. So then when you go into whatever uh, encounter you may have, fighting for someone else, praying for someone else. See, when I, when I say fight, most of the time it involves prayer. When I say fight, and, and especially for someone else, it involves taking a stand in prayer against the enemy. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let me just read you what I have written here. We do not wait for a feeling to know whether we have peace. You understand that? You see, and I've told you all this before, feelings and emotions are, are deceptive. You don't wait until you have this warm, fuzzy feeling to know whether you have peace or not. Peace is not just a feeling. Peace is something that you have knowledge of. We stand on the gospel of peace knowing what the Word says and being aptly prepared in it. When you have enough knowledge of what the Word says, you find peace. Because you begin to understand one by one the promises that God has given you. When you put enough of the Word in you and you understand what it is God has promised to you and you begin to know enough about God to understand that when God promises you something... You can count on it. You get peace from that. See, it doesn't matter how you feel about it then. Because of what you know, because of what you know about God, you find peace. Because you're aptly prepared, because you have spent the time studying the Word, you find peace. This scripture also tells us about the state with which we should keep ourselves. We should always be prepared, ready to react. See, he says, stand therefore. I've already told y'all what that meant about standing guard, being prepared with the gospel of peace. It's telling you to be ready is what it's telling you. Be ready and be prepared. Listen, when you're in the military, and I keep referencing that because that's what he's talking about here is the army, the soldiers, the war. When you are in the military, you keep your equipment ready to go. Anytime. Especially when you're somewhere, what they call a... Well, I can't remember what they call it now, but it's it's a, a post where or a base or whatever part of the military you're in that is the first ones to go. Fort Bragg in North Carolina. If there's something happened, they're going to send people from there first. I mean, within 24 hours. If you are on the active cycle, in 24 hours you'll be deployed if something happens. And then everybody else will come later. See, you stay ready all the time. 
you constantly are checking your equipment, making sure everything is in order. Every week you go through this checklist on your vehicle. Preventative maintenance, they call it. Checking every part to make sure that if you had to leave tomorrow, this thing would be ready to go. Actively prepared. And that's what this this whole verse, if you look at it, everything about it, He's talking about being prepared and being ready to go. Ready to fight at the drop of a hat. That is the kind of state we've got to stay in. Man, I'm going to tell you all right now, this is my biggest battle. Staying prepared. Staying ready to go. Ready to fight. On the lookout. You see, I get lazy. I get, I get comfortable. And I want to go do what I want to do and not even think about this stuff. But we've got to stay vigilant. And why, why is it that we need to? You know, I could stop preaching today, never preach again in my entire life, and I could go to heaven. What's the incentive? What is it that I need to stay ready for? Well, you see, Jesus tells us that the second greatest commandment is that we love our brother as ourself. And see, if I stay so concerned about myself all the time, man, I'm going to tell you all what, I like myself. Right? Right? Everybody in here probably can shake their head on that. I like myself. I like to take care of myself. Give me the things I want, right? Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's normal. But see, that second greatest commandment has a little bit of a problem with that kind of attitude. Because He said to love your brother as yourself. So that means as much love as I show myself, I need to be showing to other people too. I don't need to leave them out. So, with that in mind, let's look at that again. What is the incentive for me to stay actively prepared, always on the lookout for the enemy? What is it that I need to be prepared for as long as I take care of myself? It's for other people. Oh, wait a minute. We're supposed to be concerned about lost souls, ain't we? We're supposed to be trying to to draw people in that don't know Jesus. We're supposed to be going into all the world preaching the gospel. See, that's war. You know why that's war? It doesn't sound like an act of war. But I'm telling you today, from the enemy's standpoint, we are, in, in, we are moving into His territory when we do that. We're taking back something He's claimed. But you know what? We have the right to do that. Y'all ever seen like an old movie or heard in a story or something where 
Well, even like when Columbus came to the United States, which wasn't the United States then, North America. He came over here and he planted a flag for the country that sent him. Spain, right? And you hear about this, all the different, you know, different stories and things. Somebody would come and they'd plant a flag staking claim to a piece of ground. So what's the reason that we can't plant a flag that says claim for the kingdom? What's the reason that we can't in in our spiritual warfare say, Satan, I'm claiming this back for the kingdom of God. It's not yours anymore. You see, we have that power. Why? Because when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Conquered it. You know what that means? It means it's His. It means He took back what was stolen. It means He took back what the enemy had taken and reclaimed it. So whatever it is that Satan thinks he has claimed to today is only because of our ignorance. You understand that? See, it's all already been claimed. It's all already been uh, uh, appropriated for the kingdom of God. We just have to go stay claim to it. And I don't mean that in a material manner. Because like I said, this is a spiritual warfare. I have to remind myself sometimes. And like I told y'all last week, there's a few of y'all wasn't here, I want to restate it. I want you to remember that when you encounter the enemy, whether it's through another person or whatever, remember that person is not the one that you're in warfare with. Because we battle not against flesh and blood. Remember? It's it's the enemy, it's Satan that we have the, the beef with. Even though he may present himself to us through the use of another person, it's not them that we have the fight with. So sometimes we get so worked up and want to fight somebody because they're the ones attacking us. We need to remember that attack is is through Satan. He's the one that we need to have an argument with and, and resist, not the person. <clears throat> Turn over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. 
they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now y'all may be sitting there thinking, what in the world does that have to do with the armor of God? I asked this question a week or two ago. Who is the called? Who's called? We all are, right? And this says preacher, right? But I want y'all to understand something about this time that this was written. They didn't call people that pastored the church preachers. They were called bishops. So who are they talking about here when he says preacher? See, preachers were anybody who went and shared the Word. Anybody. So don't think you can read this and exclude yourself. Don't think you can say, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not a preacher. (laughs) See, this applies to all of us. Applies to every one of us. Verse 14 says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? And y'all look at this is where this ties this together. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You see, it's your feet. As they're prepared with the gospel of peace, it's those feet that are prepared that take you to those that need to hear the gospel. It's those feet that are prepared with the gospel of peace. See, it's those people that need Jesus that need to hear the gospel of peace. Everybody I've ever known in my life that didn't have Jesus, needed Jesus for one reason, it's because they didn't have peace in their life. And they look for every kind of thing that this world has to offer to fill up that void of no peace. And they can't. They can't fill it. Because everything that this world has to offer ends up bringing nothing but death. Gospel of peace. It's what we need to take to them. 